0: Amen. So we want to be a church that that adheres to, applies, and lives the word of God. Coming out of Easter and coming out of Resurrection Sunday, I was asking the Lord this week, what direction do we want to go in? And um, he gave me this subject title that I think we'll be in for a few weeks called Winning Within. Winning Within. Because the thing that we have to realize is that what we celebrated last week is past tense, meaning that it's done, it's over. Uh, there is, you, you understand that God is seated on a throne. He is not fighting any more battles. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is not fighting any more battles. In fact, I'll put it this way. There's nothing else that God can do to make anything more available to you than he already has. There's nothing, you can't get God to get up off of his throne and do anything else for you. It's past tense, it's been done. But there still is a battle. Paul refers to the battle, Paul refers uh, to this issue, this struggle, if you will. I did a, a series years ago, probably one of our first years here, called The Eternal Struggle because it is a battle that you will be in for the rest of your life. There is a battle, there is a war that's waging. And I want you to look at this first. Let me set this context. We saw this last week in 1st Corinthians chapter 15. 1st Corinthians. I'm going to go kind of quick here. Um so for those of you that have brought Bibles, uh I'm going to encourage you not that not to have to turn to all of these. Uh we're going to throw them up on a screen for you. Um you can jot them down absolutely if you're taking notes. Uh you can write these down if you're not taking notes. You can write these down. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone said, Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. But has now been revealed the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The gospel is good news. Amen. Good news that he has overcome death and brought life and immortality to light. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. The devil is destroyed. Amen? The devil is under our feet. The devil has been abolished along with his power. We have now victory over the enemy. You're not shouting as good as I'm preaching, but that's okay. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. In this way... He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. My goodness, the devil has been defeated. We have been given victory. He shamed them publicly in open view, open spectacle. He made a a mockery of the enemy because when the enemy thought he had gotten the victory, Jesus came back up out of the grave. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader. Or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. You know what that means? Let me let, me let you in on something. If it's under his feet, it's under your feet. You are the body of Christ. You are the church of the living God. If it's under Jesus' feet, it's under your feet. Why should we be dealing with things that are below us, beneath us? It's under our feet. Look at your neighbor and say, It's under my feet. Is it under your feet? Come on, ask them. They need to know. It's under my feet. Is it under your feet? And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. I've given you enough scripture here to help you identify and notice that we have the victory. Jesus has won the victory forever and ever. Amen. The book is closed. We are victorious in him. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. So that it was last week. That was last week. Has anybody in the last seven days, and I already know the answer, felt less than victorious in just in just the last three days. The last Since since we learned and since we celebrated, the resurrected king is resurrected. We sing and we shout and we have our hands thrown in the air. And I preached this powerful message on he cannot raise up what you will not lay down. And so we want to lay down everything before the king. Why? Because he's going to resurrect it and make it even greater than we could be when we had it. Amen. And then comes Monday. See, the devil was afraid of Sunday but he'll throw Monday right back in your face because you cannot live beyond the capacity of your revelation. You cannot live beyond the capacity of your revelation. I cannot live in what I do not know. I have to constantly be reminded. I have to constantly be renewing my mind to the victory that Jesus already overcame. So what in? What then is this struggle? And what then is this fight? What is this battle in this war that is waging on? I mean, shouldn't the life of the Christian and the, the life of the believer be as glorious as the third day? Shouldn't it be as exciting as the tomb was rolled away and, you, and the angel was sitting inside saying, he is not here. He is risen. And this is as victorious. And, and you can even go to the Bible and you can find out that after Jesus died, it wasn't all fun and games. And it wasn't a walk in the park. And it wasn't walking through flower beds. That there was a battle and a war that was waging on. I mean, the Bible, the New Testament only records maybe 50 to 70 years max after Jesus' crucifixion. I mean, you've got, you, you haven't even you know, gone into the second generation, and we already have people that have to be encouraged in the book of Hebrews, don't faint. Don't fall away. Keep pressing. Keep running. Because our Savior endured the cross with the joy that was set before. Him. You had a cloud of witnesses set by. And then he has to give them the hall of faith. Because faith is the hope of what I cannot see. And he's encouraging, the writer of Hebrews, is encouraging these believers to not fall away. Fall away from what? Why would I want to fall away from something so exciting and something so powerful as The resurrection. That maybe victory isn't as obvious as we thought it was when we first came in. That maybe there are still challenges and maybe there are still struggles and maybe there are still battles that have to be fought even though we've already won the war. So what Jesus did was to put us in a place where we can keep winning. But to keep winning, you have to keep fighting. To keep winning, if I'm winning battles, then that therefore tells me I have to keep fighting battles. And I don't know about you, but I know in my own personal life, and I see it in in believers as well, that we, we have... Jesus accepted him as maybe Savior, maybe Lord. We've given him our lives. We go to church, we read our Bibles. That might be an assumption, but I'll, I'll make that assumption today. But so we're not winning within. Jesus won the battle without. But how come I'm losing within? I was just talking with an individual a little earlier, and they said they worked for a company that flies a Christian flag. But they shouldn't. I don't know, maybe some of y'all work for people that claim to be Christians and claim. You know, I, I find it interesting that God did not hold back his son for the sake of those that would claim to be something that they weren't. We have little decals that we hand out to people that they can put on their cars. And, and I've had people tell me, oh, no, Pastor, you don't want me putting that on my car if you just knew the way that I drive. Well, you know, that's up to you. But God didn't hold back. God didn't say, I'm not going to send my son because there might be some that receive that say they've received him but really don't live like it. He He lives above that. Amen. He lives above that reputation. But we know that the standard is there. When you say you're a Christian or you say you're a believer or a Jesus follower or you say you go to church or, or, or claim any of those titles, people automatically put another standard on you. Automatically. And rightfully so, because living for one that died for you I mean, that should be the highest calling. He died so that I could live. And he gave all that he has so I could give him all that I have. But what is this struggle? What is this battle? If you look at Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, and you can turn to that one because we'll be there for a little while. Those of you that brought your Bibles, I promise if you bring your Bibles, you'll use them. I promise. Romans chapter 7 and verse 14 we see a a dilemma and this is Paul speaking by the way, Paul greatest catalyst of the, 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 the New Testament church and writer of over two thirds of the New Testament and in verse 14 he says so the trouble is not with the law for it is spiritual and good the trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself for what I, for I want to do what is right. This is in the New Living. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that I am doing, that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is Sin living in me that does it, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't do. Uh, I, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do. I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power. Watch this. There is another power within me that is at war with my mind. He says, "My mind, not my attitudes, not my actions, not my behavior." he says, "There is another power at war with my thinking. And because of my thinking, because of my rotten thinking, I have rotten living. Anybody relating yet? Have we gotten far enough? There is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? A life dominated. Wait a minute, I thought Jesus got the victory. Why are we dominated by the very thing Jesus came to conquer? Why are we living a slave to the very thing that Jesus came to make us free from? Right? And the truth, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It's because salvation doesn't make you free. I said salvation... Does not make you free? Otherwise, that verse would say, and you would know salvation, and salvation would make you free. But it's the truth that sets you free. Salvation gives you access to the truth. Salvation coming into the kingdom is merely entering the door. Jesus says, no one can come to the Father but by me. So he came to get us in the door. But just because I go in the door does not mean that I access everything that it has available to me. That would be like me inviting you to my house and you come and you step in the doorway and you stand in the foyer of my house. And there's dinner on the table and there's a couch calling your name and there's there's refreshments and, and, and you're standing in the door. You're standing in the foyer. That's where most believers stay is in the doorway of the kingdom. Not ever accessing all that the kingdom has available to them. And so he says, what a miserable person who will free me. And thank God he answers that question. Thank God he didn't leave us hanging. In fact, he keeps going and he says, thank God the answer is Is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The answer is Jesus. I'm telling you this morning. In case you forgot in the last seven days. Jesus is alive. And Jesus is the answer. Thank God we have access to God through Jesus. Thank God that Jesus saved us from our sins. And helped us conquer the enemy. And helped us conquer even death itself. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. In my mind, so you see how it is in my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. We're going to take a look at this for the next several weeks. We're going to identify how do we win within Jesus won without, but how do I win within? How do I conquer and defeat myself? You are now the new enemy. You are now battling yourself. Satan is defeated. If you're still fighting Satan, then... You're fighting the wrong enemy, and you know fighting the knowing who you're fighting is half the battle. Knowing who your enemy is, I mean, what good is it going to war if you don't know who you're fighting? But we know who we're fighting. So he's he's defeated. Sin has been conquered, but now we have this new life. See, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 tells me, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved be, be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your whole spirit, soul, and and body, you are a three part being. can I teach you okay? Is that, is that okay? if I teach just a second? You are a spirit. you possess a soul which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you are living in the vessel of a body. You need all three to exist in this world. You need all three. You cannot just be a spirit without a body because man defined is a spirit possessing a soul. Living in a body. Your body decays, your spirit leaves. Your spirit doesn't have access to this realm without your flesh suit. That's what we're looking at today, but that's not really you. And before, before Jesus came, died on the cross, so that his spirit could be placed back in you, so that you can live above sin and live above dominion to, by the enemy, You lived according to a flesh nature. Flesh nature. Now, not talking about flesh, what we see, but we're talking about sinful nature. A sinful nature. What does that mean? That means you could only do what was in disobedience to the king. That's what sin is. It's a three letter word, but we all, every single person on this planet, uh, lives having to either fight or give in to a sinful nature. And you'll never be free from that as long as you're in this earth. Not until Jesus comes back, amen? Until our king returns and he conquers the enemy once and for all. But sin is simply disobedience to the king. You were born into sin... I know I'm saying some stuff, but some of you haven't heard this in a while. You were born into sin because your dad, Adam, sinned first. And because of his sin, we all sinned. book of Romans tells us that we're all born into that. So we all come into this life, every single person on this planet, I don't care the color of your skin, I don't care your background, what side of the tracks you grew up in, uh, on what kind of education you have, I don't care what kind of home you were raised in. Every single person on this planet needed a savior. You are in need of saving. You need a savior. When you accept Jesus, you accept Not just him as Savior, but you accept him as Lord. Now, what does that mean? When I accept Jesus as Lord, that means I hand over my life to him in full submission. That's Lord. That's Lordship. Lordship means he owns me. He owns my talk. He owns my thoughts. He owns my stuff he owns my money, he owns my life, he owns my attitude, he owns my actions. So anything that I do not submit to his lordship, then that means I'm submitting to something else. I'm submitting to that old flesh nature. I'm submitting to that old man. Paul calls him the old man. But when I receive Jesus, make him lord of my life, Savior is what he did, but Lord is who he is. When I receive Jesus as Lord, now I have an opportunity to submit to what he did for me. But see, what he did for me requires me to do something for him. I said what he did for me now demands that I do something for him. Yeah, we would love it. And we love the gospel where all the responsibilities is on God. But that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel that Jesus came to preach. Jesus came to preach a kingdom. He didn't come to preach religion. He didn't come to preach a Bible. He didn't come to preach uh, uh, the good news as, you know, we, we preach about Jesus, but we don't preach about what Jesus preached about. I said we preach about Jesus, but we don't preach about what Jesus preached about. Jesus preached about a kingdom and kingdoms have kings and in kingdoms you do what the king says and in kingdoms there's no voting there's no choosing you don't get to pick which part you like and which one you don't in a kingdom you do as the king says now we struggle with that because man made kingdoms can never be what God's kingdom is But we have a king that loves us. We have a king that died for us. We have a king that that gave us, see, in most countries, the people give their life for the king. But in the kingdom of God, the king gave his life for the people. That's the king that I serve. And he has my best interest at heart, which means it's easy for me to submit to his will, to his plan, to his laws. That's the kingdom of God. And Jesus came preaching this kingdom. He, the first words that came out of his mouth, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of God is near you. It's at hand. There was one time, uh, the, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees were asking him, Hey, where is this kingdom that you keep talking about? You know that, that he talked about it so much that that's, they literally thought he was going to be a literal king and overthrow the Roman government. That's why he was killed. Maybe we're learning some stuff today. That's great. Amen. They killed him because they thought he was going to overthrow a government. Because he talked about a kingdom so much. He didn't talk about heaven. He didn't talk about the cross. He talked about those things with his disciples. But he didn't preach those things. He preached and proclaimed the kingdom of God. That's what he talked about. You see, if we, could, if we could grasp the kingdom concept, if we could grasp the kingdom mentality and the kingdom ideology that Jesus came to bring, and we could get away from all the, the churchy stuff and the religious stuff, and, and if you just pray a prayer, it, it, it's, it's greater than that. I'm, I'm here to tell you today, it's better than we've even made it out to be. There's a king that loves you. And has given you everything at your disposal. Everything at your resource. All you have to do is call on his name. Where two or more are gathered. If they ask anything, I will do it. For, that's the king that I serve. We have, we have uh, uh, celebrated and, and, and even projected a king that wants to do more bad for you than good for you. Maybe we came into the kingdom... Not really knowing a whole lot about what we were even choosing to do. But I, you have a king that wants you to be victorious. So this king, Jesus, Jesus came as a king to rule. There is a level of submission that dem- that is demanded from a king. There's a level a king's are in a position of authority. Therefore, whatever they say is to be followed. Whatever they decree is is to be done that way. So, the battle that we're waging is this flesh versus this new kingdom nature. There is a flesh that we all deal with and struggle with. But you have a new nature. You have a new nature. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. That of all these passages, that's the one I don't have in here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Do I have anyone in the house today that is in Christ? Come on. And you're excited about it. You're happy about it. Yeah. You should be. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And that word new means something that never existed before. That's how new it is. I'm not talking about a paint job. I'm not talking about covering up the old stuff. I'm talking about something that's never even existed. I'm talking about you just showed up in a vehicle that, that, that no one has ever even seen before. That's how new it is. That's you. You are a new creation. What does it say? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Have become new. Old has been passed away man, if we only knew the victory, I can't live out what I don't know. Growing up, we called it in him realities, in him realities. What does that mean? That means that I'm discovering who I, I, I I'm learning. Who, see, see, when you come into kingdom, the Holy Spirit has to introduce you to your new self. I said, the Holy Spirit has to introduce you to your new self. You're a new person. But now I need to learn how this new person operates. Now I need to learn how this new nature. I, I, I can't, because what, what will happen is I will divert and I will default back to my old way of living. Well, they talk about me. I'm going to talk about them. They hit me. I'm going to hit them back. But now all of a sudden, God has new laws. And new ways of living for me. That produce the promises that are in his word. It's just like in this country. You can't expect to live and enjoy the freedoms of this country if you don't abide by the laws. There are prisons. You realize there are Americans. Americans. They are as American as you and I. If you're American. I, if I don't have any Americans. And they're not as American as you. Americans that are locked up, not enjoying what we're enjoying today. In America. How sad that we would be in the country that has all these freedoms, but not enjoy the freedoms because we didn't abide by the laws that allow us to. See, we're not a free country. Nothing comes free. Right? I love America. You can do whatever you want. Try that. Go out on St. Augustine and just burn it up. Carl's driving around here somewhere ready to pull you over. Right? He's not here today. I don't, I don't see him today. All right. Amen. Hallelujah. So we've got to understand that I have a new life and a new kingdom. But this new kingdom comes from... With new blessings and new promises like like if, if sickness comes on my body, I don't have to live according to that sickness anymore. That is a promise of the kingdom of God. See, my king has a health care plan. He's got a health cure plan. He'll just cure you up. He's got his own health care plan zero deductible no copays by his stripes I was healed that is the health care plan of the kingdom of God I was healed before you were sick you were healed next time you get sick oh, Jesus already bought this are you, are you kidding me devil he took stripes, on 39 of them to be exact. And you just start claiming it. The health care plan of the You know, his, his uh, uh, financial tax system is, is better than anything any man can come up with. In fact, we're trying to get it back over to his system. You keep 90, you give me 10%. And see if I don't pour out the windows of, I mean, my goodness. 10%. Your tithe is the tax plan of the kingdom of God. That's how you're taken care of. You know, farmers back in in those days, they relied on that 10%. Because that was how, that was how they could rebuke the devourer for their sake. What does that mean? That means he can't come in and take my stuff. That means your cars last longer than anybody else's. That means your refrigerators last longer than anybody else's. That means your houses last longer. Come on, you think God isn't concerned about your stuff? That's the God I serve. God knows how to get it too. I'm telling you, we limit God. Oh, he doesn't care about my refuge. You know, that is one of the toughest things that we, we as believers, we believe a God that can do everything, but we don't believe in a God that can do anything. I mean, all you got to do is look at the sky and see the sun and the moon and the stars and look at the ocean. And, and look at the grains of sand on the, on the beach and, and look at the wildlife and look at the animal and look at the stuff that we, we can't even comprehend how all this stuff got here. We have to make up things like Big Bang theories, like there was just a big bang and all of a sudden this stuff just landed right in the right spot. That if the earth was just tilted just a little bit, that we'd all burn up and, and, and burn up on this place. We didn't even have to go to hell, we'd burn up here. Little things like that. And then we come down with, with, with a flu and we don't we, we serve a God that can handle that. We, we don't, we, we believe in a God that created the waters, but we don't know if he can calm them. We've got to get a big, bigger revelation of our God. We've got to get a bigger revelation. You serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You serve a big, big God. A big God. My goodness. Am I encouraging anybody? If you're not getting encouraged, I am. Whatever you magnify gets bigger. bigger. You know that, right? Magnify your God. Instead of magnifying the problem. We serve a big God. Promises. Blessings. His word is available to us. We just have to tap in through knowledge. I cannot live beyond my level of comprehension. I cannot live beyond my level of understanding. That's why I pray that we would comprehend the word of God. It is not enough, guys. It is not enough to just find a church, plop down somewhere, get your little meal for the week and then go about your day. You need to digest this. You need to comprehend. But he said, meditate in my word. Day and night. He said, study to show yourself approved unto me. A workman that is not will, that will not be ashamed. Rightly dividing. If you can rightly divide the word, you can wrongly divide the word. Can we get a church that is beyond just casual hearing and casual attending? It's not the seating capacity. It's our sending capacity. Amen. Amen. Man, I will, you know, I will never get tired of that. Never grow old of encouraging us to meditate and digest and value the word of God. I'm sorry if this is just too elementary for some of y'all. If this isn't deep enough and and far enough, and and, and if I'm not giving you enough little quotes and pointers to put on Facebook later this week, I'm just trying to give you what the Word of God is all about. This is the Word of God. Unashamed, preached as bold as it is. You serve a big God. Sometimes we want more, and God said, What are you doing with that? I'm not giving you manna tomorrow until you take care of the manna you have today. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I've got an old. I've got a new. I've got a flesh, a sin nature, and now I've got this new kingdom nature. Warring. And we end up in this dilemma like Paul said. I'm going to tell you today. You are your own worst enemy. And I want to raise a church. I want to see Anchor Faith Church full of believers that know how to win the battle within. Win within. Win within. Conquer day by day, pulling out the sword, chopping off the head of the old flesh nature, chopping off the head of the old man, doing as Paul said, crucifying the flesh. This church is going to wash its mouth. This church is not going to post without thinking first. This church is going to have a good attitude to those that have a bad attitude to them. This church is going to be a blessing to those that re- reject them. This church is going to love those that despitefully use them this church is going to exemplify the kingdom of God but we have to conquer this old nature Paul said that it's not a battle of flesh and blood it's not a battle of, I'm, 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 I'm here to tell you it's not your supervisor it's not your neighbor It's not your neighbor. It's not your husband or your wife. Look straight ahead. Do not turn your head. Look straight at me. It's not your kids. It's not the in-laws and the outlaws. It's right here. It's right here. This is the battle. But he said, thank God. The answer is in. Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 7, verse 5. Let me just get some verses to you. I'm trying to wet your appetite a little bit. We're not going to dig all the way down in this. We couldn't digest it all anyways. Amen? Sometimes you just got to take your time with it. Romans chapter 7, and verse 5. For when we were in the flesh... The sinful passions, which were aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. You have to take care of the root before you can take care of the fruit. I said, you have to take care. See, God did not come to just take care of the surface. He didn't show up to take care of the symptoms. Amen. Amen. He came to get all the way down into your stuff and into your junk, into the root. Because so many of us are just trying to change fruit, appearance. Oh, why can't I act this way? Well, you're in the dilemma that Paul, I, I want to do the right thing, but I do the wrong thing. I didn't want to post that, but I posted it. I didn't want to share that, but I shared. I didn't want to respond like that, but I did. I didn't want to hit that person, but I hit Why am I doing the very thing I don't want to do? the dilemma, the battle, the war within. He says, you've got to take care of the root. We've got to get down to the root. You know, there are times where you can take care of things on the surface. But when that no longer works, sometimes we're fearful to go deeper. It's like if if you have a pain in your side and you start off maybe taking some Advil or some Ibuprofen to deal with the pain. But when the pain persists, we've got to find another route. We've got to go about this a different way. So then you may go to the doctor and say, hey, I've got this pain in my side. I need to know what it is. So they're going to run some tests. Oh, we don't like that word in church. That's a four-letter word, test. Then there's some tests that show up to help reveal where the problem is. And from there, they may be able to give you a medication that will do something a little different than what the pain. But what is it? Now they're starting to get to the root. Now if it's really bad, we got to get a procedure done. Why? Because we can't deal with this on the surface. We're actually going to, and it's more painful. And it may take a harder time to recover from. But in the end, we get to the root of the issue. And rather than dealing with the issue for the rest of our lives, now we can get to the root of it and we can live free from that bondage. That's what Jesus came to do came to do surgical procedures on our lives. Because the surface stuff wasn't fixing it. He gave them the law. He gave them the law. And it tells us right here that our desire to sin was only more aroused by the law. The the law only came to do one thing. Reveal to you that you're a sinner. Because I can't tell you to, I can't tell you that you're wrong until I show you what right looks like. So, do not kill. Do not steal. Do not commit murder. Do not give a false witness. Honor your father and mother. All the laws that show up. I was talking with someone one time. They said, man, uh, you know, in our Bible reading plan, in the book of Leviticus, man, that's a hard book to read. Why is that even in there? I mean, why do we even, this stuff doesn't even apply. I said, you should rejoice that you don't have to follow that stuff anymore. It should make you thankful every time you read it. It it, it should just bring to your remembrance all that Jesus has done for you and he has set you free from the law of sin and death. But the law came to reveal how messed up we were. But in what the law could not do, Jesus did. Jesus did what the law could not do. The law could not make you right, but Jesus did. Jesus came to make you right. Amen. And so now, he's taking care of all the root stuff. But that takes time. That's not just surface anymore. We've got to dig deep. Because the reason why. I lash out. And the reason why I, that word slips out of my mouth, and the reason why I keep running back to this this thing, and the reason why I treat people like this, and, and all the different things that we deal with in our sinful lives, Jesus came to fix all that. You don't have to respond that way anymore. You don't have to live that way anymore. But now I've got to learn how to live according to a new nature. In Romans chapter 8, You notice we were in Romans 7, the end of it. Now we're just moving right along. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse... Now let's just start with verse 1. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. And he's coming right off of what we just read. The struggle between flesh... And and, and and new nature the, uh, this desire to do what's right but i keep doing what's wrong this this battle he says there is therefore now no condemnation i want to tell you something today get this the only way the enemy can beat you is in condemnation the only way he can beat you when you live in condemnation you have he has you right where he wants you Condemnation will paralyze. You will feel condemned when Jesus came to, re- to release condemnation off of you. For those who are in Christ Jesus, watch this, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now we're starting to get some clarity. Now we're starting to find out that there is a, an opposite nature. Remember Paul said there in Romans chapter 7, there's this power that works within me, and it, gets, it it's attacking, waging war with my mind, he said. Well, guess what? If you are going to defeat a power... You need another power, a stronger power, a greater power, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's called the spirit of God. It's called the power of God. So I've got to rely and release a different power from a different nature. Amen. Amen. Watch. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I've got a new nature. A new power. A new spirit to combat the old flesh. The old nature. That's you. Worship to you if you come. That's you today. You have a new nature. God has given you. His spirit. You have a kingdom nature. I want us to just revel in the fact, just remind ourselves, I'm a kingdom citizen. How do I conquer this flesh? You'll have to come back next week. That's not a not a license to just sin all you want for the next seven days? Well, Pastor Marr didn't tell me how to conquer it. So I'm telling you, you have a spirit within you, the Holy Spirit. Kenneth Hagin said this, he said, there will be no greater need in the last days than for the body of Christ, the church, to learn how to listen to and respond to the Holy Spirit. Do I have believers in the room today? Come on, if you don't throw your hand, I'm going to make you come down here and Amen. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. Abiding within you comes in you at the point of salvation, the Spirit of God. And now you can walk according to the Spirit. You don't have to, you get to. So this week, when all of our fleshly opportunities and moments come up, I want you to stop and do one thing. Holy Spirit, what do I do? And I know what he'll tell you. Don't say that. Don't do that. That's training. It's not overnight. I know that. I'm just here to tell you today you don't have to live according to the flesh. You can live according to the Spirit. You can live according to the Holy Spirit. And He will speak to you. He will point to you. He will point you in the right direction. He will say, no, don't don't respond to your husband like that. Pray for him instead. Now, you won't want to do what he's going to say. But that's okay. You're not supposed to, and you never will. I just want to do God's will. You're not going to. You will never want to in your flesh. That's why we have to crucify him. That's why you have to get rid of him. You you can't try to turn him. You can't try to bring him along. Though Paul said, crucify the flesh. And when my flesh dies with Christ, I'll be raised to life with him as false.